I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know, journalists, insiders, all of whom can break down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. <laughs> Trial by Content, the podcast where we force our favorite pop culture to compete in the coliseum of contentious opinion so we can all decide what wins. Each week, your three humble hosts will debate a pop culture topic, set the specific rules, and rumble until a consensus is reached. Then, with input from you, the listener base, we'll smash together our nominations with yours and determine a final four-nominee poll that will decide the one true Trial by Content winner. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Dave Gonzalez. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Neil Miller. You don't have to believe in love at first sight, but in movies, sometimes we have to love our characters when they first interact. That's why we're digging into our favorite movie couples that find each other in a way that makes sparks fly for cinema's greatest meet-cute. But first, we have to take care of last week's business where we debated the worst accent at all of television. Joanna, how did we do? I'm delighted to report. That I ran away with this one. This was a really fun podcast last week. We heard from a lot of you that you enjoyed it. I hope you really liked those audio clips because you're in for some more in this episode. <laughs> but our four contenders, uh, if you didn't listen to that episode, were Aiden Gillen in The Wires, Tommy Carcetti, Charlie Hunnam as Jack Teller in Sons of Anarchy, Jane Tiny as Martha Toomey in Lost, and Peter Dinklage as Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones. The Lannister Hive was here to back Tyrion. He came in dead last. So Neil went last. Mm -hmm. Dave got third. Our listener got second. But I, yeah, I really crushed this one by accident. So thank you, Aiden Gillen, for having terrible accents no matter where you go. I appreciate <laughs> you. This week, as Dave mentioned, we're talking about uh, Cinema's Greatest Meet Cute. We're doing this in honor of it is rom-com week over on TheRinger.com. What a fine website. And there's a lot of great content over there digging into some of our favorite romantic comedies. 
There's a master ranking that I really encourage you to check out because you will find plenty to agree with and plenty to disagree with, which like is the point of a ranking, right? So I hope you check all of that great content out over on TheRinger.com. So in a little bit of synchronicity, we thought we would pick our favorite meat cutes And I'm going to let Eli Wallach's character, Arthur Abbott from The Holiday, explain to you what a meat cute is. Well, this was some meat cute <laughs> Sorry? It's how two characters meet in a movie. Say, say a man and a woman both need something to sleep in. And they both go to the same men's pajama department. Right. And the man says to the salesman, I just need bottoms. The woman says, I just need a top. They look at each other, and that's the meat cute. That's a meat cute. Uh, meat cute is almost always full of awkwardness, embarrassment, sometimes outright hostility. That's kind of my favorite kind. Um, and the point of a meat cute, I think, is to, especially in like a film, when you have very little time, to get your couple together. You got to get you got to get to it quickly. You got to get like make the sparks fly right away. You don't have seasons and seasons of television to to slowly build to something. If you look into meet cutes, a lot of times the 1938 film Bluebeard's Eighth Wife is referenced. That's exactly the scenario that Arthur Abbott's talking about in The Holiday where Claudette Colbert and Gary Cooper meet while shopping for pajamas. But Billy Wilder has said since that that was an old trope by the time he used it in a 1938 movie. So it has been around as long as movies have been around. Maybe we can someday debate the best meet cute in uh, theater. Uh, we'll maybe get to that someday. <laughs> <laughs> but they're very a very important element of screenwriting and a very important element of the rom-com. If you think about like something like Back to the Future, where Marty McFly basically interrupts the meet cute between his mom and his dad. And just because he does that could change everything. People start disappearing from pictures. <laughs> it's you, insane. If you mess up a meat cute, <laughs> things can go wild. There's a couple different like kinds of meat cutes. So you want to talk about the taxonomy of meat cute. There's the pull pull. Like I like you, you like me. We're immediately attracted. There's the push push. That's my favorite, which is I hate you. I hate you back. Push pull. The silent meat cute, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. Dave, do you have a preferred type of meat cute? Oh, I like me some pull pull. Some of my favorite parts of romantic comedies, because one of the other tropes is after they meet, they get to have like a good time until something goes wrong and then we have to have some conflict so they could get back together. I'm a big fan of well-written romances that have good pull pull. Just like get me in it, show them being happy. I, I'm a big pull pull fan. I, 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 although I like conflict in uh, you know lots of other places in my life, meat cuting. Pole poles, my preferred. Neil, how do you identify? Well, I think in real life, if I were to have a meet cute, I would want it to be a pole pole. I'm looking for something easy, immediate, recognizable. But in my movies, I'm more of a push push or yeah. push pull person. We need a little conflict first. I know people are very nervous about having conflict in their movies these days, but friends, <laughs> let me tell you, it makes everything better. There's this common, I think it's a YA lit term or maybe like a romance literature term, which is the enemies to lovers trope. I cannot. You, there is no ceiling on the amount of enemies to lover trope that I will follow. And there's a lot of great meet cutes that are basically enemies to lovers. And like in honor of, of rom-com week, Neil Miller, do you have a favorite rom-com? I do. I Actually, I have a couple. I have... One one would be High Fidelity, which is both a great romantic comedy, Love Me a Cusack, 
But it's also a dangerous one because I one time showed high fidelity to a friend who had recently gone through a terrible breakup. And that backfired horrendously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, be careful with that one. I also just, I, you know, I like the weird ones. Uh, the Wedding Singer, I think, would be my my other runner-up because it was such a just a uniquely styled uh, movie that had a lot of Adam Sandler being extremely charming. And, you know, that's for me. That's like uh, the time I took a friend of mine who had just broken up with someone to see Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> he got mad at me. Uh, Dave, what's your favorite rom-com? I think I'm probably have to go with Groundhog Day because it's a rom-com and it's got the, you know, what is it's seemingly from the outside a sci-fi premise of repeating the same day, but just doesn't treat it like that at all. Uh, I think it's really great, but also I have a soft spot in uh, my heart for all adaptations of Shakespeare that took place in the 90s. Be you Clueless, 10 Things I Hate About You, R plus J, they're all up there in terms of uh, comfort watches when it comes to uh comedies romances both of them my favorite is and i just decided this kind of recently is stranger than fiction i i decided that a couple years ago and i do not regret it an incredible rewatch if you haven't seen it in a while such a such a beautiful film uh and a a a great little meet cute center of it which which may come up again i don't know who knows but yeah so those are those are some of our favorite rom-coms our our preferred kind of meet cute before we get into like the actual debate that we're doing today, Neil, do you have a do you have some rules rundowns for us? Oh, we have so much to talk about before we get to the debate. First, <laughs> our main rule is that your choice for cinema's greatest meet cute must be the meeting of two characters in a feature film. And that's kind of it. It doesn't necessarily need to be from a romantic comedy, but I do have a feeling that wouldn't hurt. Now, now that we have the rules established, we're going to give away some awards. This week, we are giving two very special awards. Uh, first, the category crown for a pair goes to Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, who, as our listener Sean pointed out in an email, had multiple meet cutes in multiple movies, like You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle. They also have the unique distinction of having multiple meet cutes in a single movie as they meet three times. In Joe versus the Volcano, which, slightly problematic movie aside, is got to be a record somewhere. We all watched that recently together, and it was we had quite a time <laughs> with Joe versus the Volcano. Gets to the end of that one, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a, another award, a special category crown award for individual efforts. And this goes to our guy, Hugh Grant, who has met cute so many of Hollywood's leading ladies in movies, like... Martine McCutcheon in Love Actually, Andy McDowell in Four Weddings and a Funeral, Emma Thompson in Sense and Sensibility, Sandra Bullock in Two Weeks Notice, Julia Roberts in Notting Hill, and Drew Barrymore herself in Music and Lyrics. And I'm sure there's probably even ones that we're leaving out. Hugh Grant, he's just all over the genre. And now we're going to do what we're doing every week. We're going to do some pre-trial dismissals. This is our effort to give you a list of some of the great contenders that you will not hear mentioned in the debate so that you can be preemptively angry about it. (laughs) But these are also some great examples of what we believe to be some of the other best meet cutes. And we've got some clips very excited to share with you. The first one is from the film It Happened One Night, in which Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert meet on a bus. Let's listen. I beg your pardon. Now listen. I put up a stiff fight for that seat. 
So if it's just the same to you, scram. Driver, are these seats reserved? No, first come, first served. Thank you. Hey, driver, these seats accommodate two people, don't they? Well, maybe they do and maybe they don't. Thank you. Move over. This is a maybe they do. Definitely feeling a little push push from that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a rom com so iconic that it won Best Picture in a slew of other Oscars. Like back oh, when yeah. a rom com could win all of the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, also on our pretrial dismissals list, we have John Cusack, uh, the aforementioned, and Kate Beckinsale, who met while shopping for gloves in the movie Serendipity. We have Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, both very young, fresh-faced, meeting through a fish tank in Romeo plus Juliet. I almost did a sound clip for this one, but it would just be Desiree singing. And the gentle burble of the fish tank in the background. <laughs> and that would be it. Next up is a more recent example. We have Kumail Nanjiani being heckled by Zoe Kazan in a story that comes uh, jumps out of Kumail is real life relationship in the big sick. We also have Maggie Gyllenhaal experiencing some, I would call it tax season anxiety when Will Ferrell shows up in Stranger Than Fiction. Let's listen to this one. Oh. Yes, ben. somewhere else we could talk about this <laughs> <laughs> that is like the entire room push pushing away. <laughs> yeah. oh, poor will ferrell who's just <laughs> gently pulling elsewhere on our list we have lena Headey showing up to unexpectedly wreck piper parabo's wedding day in the film imagine me and you we also have an extremely awkward high school meeting of miles morales voiced by shmeek moore and Gwen, a.k.a. Gwanda, voiced by Haley Steinfeld in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And we have another one where we have a clip. This is Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy meeting on a train. Trains. It's big. It's big for the genre. In the movie Before Sunrise. Let's listen in. Have you ever heard that as couples get older, they lose their ability to hear each other? No. Well, supposedly... Men lose their ability to hear higher pitch sounds, and women eventually lose hearing on the low end. I guess they sort of nullify each other or something. I guess. Nature's way of allowing couples to grow old together without killing each other. The thing I love about that clip is they, that's like the second thing they say to each other. Like, it's yeah. right when they meet, and it's like the premise for the entire trilogy. Right. Show up with a lot of dark fun facts about science. Also, that's of the ones we've had, that's the most pull pulley we've played so far. It's true. So I'm, I'm sorry sure. into that. A good sure. pull pull. Well, let's keep going on this list and see if we can't find uh, one that pull pulls a little harder. <laughs> uh, we have Dom- Domhnall Gleeson and Rachel McAdams in About Time, a meat cute so powerful it forced one of its characters to break the laws of time and space. That is pretty significant. And throwing back to another classic, we have the contentious co-workers, Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan, showing up for a mystery date, only to find an antagonist in 1940s, The Shop Around the Corner. And finally, we've got one for the shippers out there. This one comes from the Star Wars universe, and it is the meeting of Finn and Poe. Let's listen. You with the resistance? What? 
No, no, no. I'm breaking you out. Can you fly a type fighter? I can fly anything. Why? Why are you helping me? Because it's the right thing to do. You need a pilot. I need a pilot. That's a good, that's, I think that's the strongest pull-pull uh, we've seen so far. It's very sure. cute. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm into it. And then they share a jacket. Oh. Yeah. And then, then like, Poe gives him his name. So anyway. Um, yeah, our our producer great. Arjuna is voting for that one, even though it's not in, in, in <laughs> the poll yeah. at all this week. <laughs> so there you have it: a long list of options that we have dismissed, despite their obvious worthiness. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with twenty five thousand miles on i got it to over two hundred thousand miles because i took care of it you know how you take care of a car you take care of the maintenance the oil the brakes all that stuff and if you don't you can have a car just completely fall apart when your car needs maintenance head to jiffy lube they provide automotive excellence at speed get your oil changed brakes checked Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. That means it's time to get into the actual trial by content debate, where each one of your hosts will have one minute to give an initial pitch for their choice, bringing our three choices in a um, order of winners from last week. So if you won last week, you are punished by being first into the cold pool this week, which means Joanna is going to be first for our opening remarks. Plunging in. I went with kind of a gimme. I, I thought about trying to pick something more obscure, but when we looked at the, the ringer.com rank, ultimate ranking of rom-coms, this is number one. I think a much deserved. And it's right in the title of the movie, so I couldn't ignore it. This is When Harry Met Sally. Carlos, can you go ahead and play the clip for me? We are just going to be friends, okay? Great, friends. It's the best thing. You realize, of course, that we can never be friends. Why not? What I'm saying is, and this is not a come on in any way, shape, or form, is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. 
that's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I only think you do. Well, I guess we're not going to be friends then. Guess not. That's too bad. You were the only person that I knew in New York. So the premise of this meet cute is that Harry is Sally's friend's boyfriend and they are sharing a car together as they move to New York and she immediately hates him. And he thinks she's hot, but like, you know, nothing, not much more. He eats some grapes and spits the seed into her rolled up window. Uh, <laughs> and they are just forced together. They stop at a diner. You might remember that scene. It's very famous. It's it's a perfect sort of weird stuck together. The sparks will fly premise. So that's why I'm voting for When Harry Met Sally. Nice. I like this new tactic of putting the clip in the middle, extending your argument beyond a minute. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save my clip till the end. Here we go. For this week's trial, I am picking the 1997 movie Titanic, which kicks off the intense romance between Kate Winslet's Rose and Leonardo DiCaprio's Jack in a way that bookends their whirlwind romance with a cold, watery doom. You see, Rose doesn't want to marry Cal, even though she needs to, at the urging of her mother to shore up the family finances, while Lower Decks and Lower Class Jack manages to win a Titanic ticket in a game of chance. Rose decides she's going to end it all by jumping off the back of the Titanic. But Jack is there to stop her, joking and talking her down by providing some casual background information about freezing water. Then catching Rose when she slips and falls, trying to get back on the ship, he tells her that he won't let go. Not only does the meet cute in such an intense moment kick off a series of events that romantically escalate at a quick pace, but it's mirrored in the character's final interactions where Rose has decided she wants to live and tells Jack she'll never let go as he's in the freezing ocean we were talking about earlier. But let's think about some happier moments and listen to this clip. No, you won't. What do you mean, no, I won't? Don't presume to tell me what I will and will not do. You don't know me. Well, you would have done it already. You're distracting me. Go away. I can't. I'm involved now. You let go and I'm, I'm gonna have to jump in there after you. Don't be absurd. You'll be killed. I'm a good swimmer. The fall alone would kill you. It would hurt. I'm not saying it wouldn't. Tell you the truth, I'm a lot more concerned about that water being so cold. And you should be, Leo. You should be. <laughs> Speaking of water, Neil. <laughs> yes. All right. My choice for this week's debate is as much a meat hot as it is a meat cute. <laughs> it has all the elements of a traditional meat cute. Two humans from different sides of the tracks having a chance encounter that causes an immediate eruption of sparks. It's Jennifer Grey as baby, awkwardly entering the dangerous forbidden world of a resort staff hangout where Patrick Swayze's Johnny Castle is gyrating his hips in a way that would awaken not only her curiosity, but the sexuality of an entire generation. It's a delightful encounter, followed shortly by a flourish of the titular Dirty Dancing. But first, a little watermelon talk. Let's hear a clip. Yo, cuz. she doing here? She came with me. She's with me. I carried a watermelon. Carried a watermelon. Most 
your clip is just audio. Of- yeah, just a song that like <laughs> I could I could picture Patrick Swayze doing like the uh, towards mm-hmm. all the women as he passes them at the beginning of that clip. And then afterwards, you know, doing more dirty dancing. But yeah. I'm truly if- sorry for the listenership that they didn't get to just see Dave Gonzalez <laughs> do a Patrick Swayze and dirty dancing impression. Well, because he's when he's walking over to her before the hey cuz, he's like walking past his partner. They're not dating. They haven't since they're kids. But he also turns towards each woman on the way to uh, his cousin and does like some very tasteful hip thrusts. It, it was your recreation of said tasteful hip thrusts <laughs> at your standing desk was incredible, yeah. Dave. Thank you for it. Benefits of a standing desk. It's true. I'm going to start off here. Neil, mm-hmm. your, I think your, your, your moment is a great meet cute. It has a great line. I think it sums up the movie. I think an entire sequence sums up the movie in a great way where, you know, as they're carrying in the watermelons to the party, they literally like kick open the doors into this whole new world of uh, dirty dancing. Mm-hmm. My question is, does this uh, summarize the relationship that the movie eventually uh, concerns itself with well to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have, you know, the, the fish out of water story, obviously, is Jennifer Grey's character, Baby, entering this world. She's with her family on vacation uh, at this resort owned by her dad's friend. And she's discovering the class divide that exists in the world by hanging out with the people that work at the resort a little bit more than she hangs out with her very stuffy and not musically talented family, including her sister who cannot sing. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those moments in cinematic history where the power of two different gazes draws us in and locks us into a relationship, right? We have the just pure sensuality that is radiating off of Swayze in this moment. And then we have Jennifer Gray's face is like awkward, uncomfortable, you know, obviously very, uh, you know, not prepared with a good line and realizes it very quickly. And uh, yeah, it says so much about both of their characters and the relationship that they're going to have going forward. And then, of course, the movie itself is just an all-timer, all-timer. The scene falls under a taxonomy that we didn't talk about, I think, which is the neutral slash nervous. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, baby being the nervous element and Johnny just being completely like, I, I don't care. <laughs> Do you, Have you looked at me? <laughs> I don't care. That's one of the um, things that makes it unique is like you have this character, Johnny, who is like the sexual center of this entire resort. And he's not super interested. He doesn't show us that he's super interested in her at first. But by the end of the sequence, we definitely get it. Something I love about all of our picks, not to be too (laughs) positive about all of our picks, but I think there's genuinely iconic lines in all of our picks, right? Like Mm -hmm. men and women can't be friends. I carried a watermelon and uh, I won't let go, right? Like that's, that's that's a healthy trio right there. But I do think Dave makes a good point that like I think both my pick and Dave's pick are maybe even a little bit more the central thesis of our magic relationship. I think mine is the, I don't know why Dave brought this up. Cause I think mine is the strongest of that, which is the <laughs> central question of when Harry met Sally, which is can men and women be friends? A question that like plagued a, a, a generation after this movie asking, can men and women be friends? I think we've uh, reached a yes, but uh, <laughs> back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. 
No, I think we've reached a yes. I think in terms of like our our cultural understanding, we've reached a yes. But I also think the interesting thing about when Harry met Sally is uh, like their very specific age group that both of those characters meet each other in. I think that is still a conversation amongst that age group, which is probably why it's timeless. Because they were like 22 when they meet. Something like that. Yeah. Like for a movie that starts off with like older couples talking about how they met for the first time. Something I really like about When Harry Met Sally is both of those characters live in their flaws in the meet cute in a very comfortable way that I think is a positive way to start your movie that eventually ends uh, like Harry Met Sally does. I Maybe he's negging her all the way through it. And I don't like that as much as I, you know, look back because I think you're clear. <laughs> I think your clip is from the you know back half of the road trip when the first half of the road trip is I've got a dark side and like why are you going to go to journalism school and write stories about other people's lives if you want to do something? He's got a very negative take, but it's charming. It's Billy Crystal, and I don't think he's consciously nagging him like some sort of dating artist person. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of let that go. Yeah, he's not, we- right he's not that- wearing a fedora while he's talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I would say mine's actually also structurally, it's very structurally important for the romance and the romance is very structurally important for Titanic, but the romance is also something that is going on for two thirds of Titanic and then the movie takes a break to become like a huge disaster movie. So I really like, at least for mine, why I picked it is it provides the beginning basis for Rose and Jack's relationship in a very screenwriting blocks sort of way. We get to talk about the water being cold. We get to talk about like intentions versus threats on whether she'll do it. They never talk about her jumping, even though she would be jumping. They talk about letting go so that when she slips, we get to establish, you know, holding on, never letting go. And that uh, brings us all the way to the end. So I like how it has little pieces. And uh, something I also really enjoy about it that I think maybe Neil's has in common Uh, a bit more with mine is we're both in intense experiences. So this first moment kicks off either uh, at same time at camp or a, you know, gigantic boating disaster. Whereas when Harry (laughs) met Sally, sort of like a Yeah, the the, the SS Titanic and the Catskills are absolutely comparable. (laughs) Same exact experience. Yours is about like a life, they they meet to have like a potential lifetime love or Mm -hmm. some sort of meaningful fling. Whereas Neil and I's are very pressure situations. We're the the speed. Where romance is built on intense situations. Never last. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. When we get to the end of Dirty Dancing, I think I can get to a point in my mind where I believe that maybe those kids can make it work. Absolutely maybe, not. Maybe ma- Johnny. Maybe. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she has truly inspired Johnny to be the person that he never knew he could be. Whereas at the end of Titanic, they can't even figure out that they both probably could have fit on that piece of driftwood. <laughs> yeah. She does, in fact, let go. A 1912 aristocrat's understanding of buoyancy doesn't necessarily play into the ending of sure. uh, my film, as much as people say it is. Like, obviously, in hindsight, probably could have figured something out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Follow up question. This is these are not the rules, like absolutely not. But does it matter that I have a pure to its bone rom com? Neil has a rom com ish, mm-hmm. close enough. And then 
Dave has a disaster movie. Like, do we mm-hmm. do we care about where the meat cute is in terms of genre? I mean, that's honestly that's something that I went through with my pick as I was thinking about it. Because on one hand, there are elements of dirty dancing that are extremely fun, but I mean, I see it more as uh, you know a drama. It's it's a movie that like when I first saw it, it was the first sort of confrontation I had with how like dangerous it is uh, to prohibit and stigmatize like women's healthcare, like abortion. And like, it was Neil's like the f- first culture war. Right. <laughs> and it, well, and it, it was interesting because it was one of the first times that I actually had like a conversation with my parents about it. And I had this really enlightening thing, conversation with my mom, who I thought, thought of it a different way because she was super Catholic as I was growing up. But turns out, She's got much cooler opinions on that. And thanks to Dirty Dancing, we could have that conversation. (laughs) That movie, it's so wild to me that that movie emerged from the 80s. And it was this like, the reputation it has is like, this is what mothers and daughters watch. They're like, ooh, let's have a Dirty Dancing night. And then like, you you might not know, if you only know it by reputation, that it has a whole (laughs) unplanned pregnancy plot (laughs) coursing through it. Right. I mean, it gets, you know, it gets a lot of press for being a movie with, peak hotness Swayze, which is notable on the long arc of cinema. Yeah, with apologies to Roadhouse, this is it. Right? It's right this here. Is, <laughs> this is the one. But I would say that there's enough that's fun about it to sort of make it both a romantic comedy and a romantic drama. It sort of toes the line. Whereas, yeah, as Joanna said, Titanic is a romantic drama for a little while, and then it is a movie about a ship sinking yeah i mean i don't think that's necessarily bad if the t- the category if you looked out at your podcasting device says best meet cute in cinema like sure i feel like titanic is a titanic movie is it as yeah it isn't as controversial a pick when you put it in that wide of a thing so i guess it would depend to uh you the listener when you're voting if it you get bonus points for it being a comedy uh joanna's definitely is uh and but maybe that makes you treat the romance differently maybe well as you pointed out my my film not only has that meet cute but like a parade of testimonial meet cutes mm-hmm. within it so uh you know it's like it's it's like the it's like meet cute cool in the movie uh my movie but let me ask neil this question because i think i know dave's answer but let me ask neil this question how much do you buy the romance between jack and rose in titanic maybe i'm alone like i was the right target demographic age for titanic but there's something about Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio's relationship, which has always seemed so like buddy, buddy. They've both had like intensive chemistry with other actors, but together they always just seem like pals to me. Do you feel like, how do you feel about Jack and Rose? <laughs> you know, this is, this is going to be some choppy waters for me to navigate <laughs> because Dave and I have both chosen relationships that are about a wealthier woman going out and looking for a little bit of danger, right? That's a trope that we've seen very much in this genre. But that said, I would say that the burning intensity of what's happening in Dirty Dancing between Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze is more easily sold than the very unsubtle story that James Cameron is giving us with with Jack Rose. That's not to say that they don't have a lot of fun. It is a good time to go down and dance on the lower decks. I mean, that's one mm-hmm. one of they're the great scenes spitting, in that movie. They're sketching. Right. <laughs> so boots you know. and there's Celine Dion. <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna take too much away from Dave's pick, uh, because it it's might influence how people feel about my pick. <laughs> but I will say this I will take 
hot and horny dancing over whatever uh, they're doing in Titanic on the lower decks. It's more of a jig, right? It's more of a <laughs> community dance. Mm-hmm. Lots of spinning. <laughs> what if they had the dirty dancing in Titanic? That right, would have been, yeah. been a real party, you know? What I mean? yeah. Here in the back cabin. <laughs> I mean, in Titanic, we get one very hot scene with a hand up against a window um, that will never be found because everything sinks at the end. In Dirty Dancing, which I rewatched in full in preparation for this podcast, we get like four or five just sizzlers. Yeah, 1987, Dirty Dancing is still remains one of the sexiest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And that was 1987, uh, let's yeah. just say. When Harry Met Sally is not a like sizzlingly <laughs> romantic. I like to think uh, of it as hot, more hot like movie. It's, it's a more casual and charming, whimsical. Thing. It's, it's that thing where you marry your best friend, right? You just like you've got that firm, firm base of camaraderie and and relationship, and no, and as like Dave pointed out, knowing each other's worst sides. Billy Crystal shows us his worst mm-hmm. angle in that opening scene, and they find a way to love each other anyway. So, yeah, I uh, to, to argue a bit more to my uh, seemingly maligned movie Titanic here. <laughs> Like it, it has the same thing going for it that like Romeo and Juliet does. Like they're young, they're dumb, and it, like it ends up impossible at the end because of death. So I, I feel like it's a burn bright romance. It was never meant to be realistic. I don't, I don't want to say too much about what Old Rose thinks about in the bookends because who the hell knows. But at least in terms of the the functional thing of these characters meeting in a meet cute, where one of them's about to, where my rich aristocratic person is about to commit suicide. My guy doesn't show up. She just dies. She just throws, gets thrown off the back of the Titanic. It makes like a little note in history that maybe we find when James Cameron's excavating the Titanic anyway. But it's like the her story gets completely lost if uh, my me cute doesn't happen. My me cute's the spark for the very bright burning candle that gets extinguished <laughs> in some very icy water. <laughs> Uh, it's true. Without your meet cute, there's no story at all. Uh, it's true. <laughs> Jack survives the end. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know how to pick between ours. It's not our job, I guess. But um, I think. I think what's interesting is the idea of like there when you're writing a screenplay, uh, as maybe only one of us on this podcast has, Dave. Um, the meet cute requires, especially the push push meet cute, requires uh an inventive way to put two people who don't like each other continually in each other's presence. And uh, that's what I love about a trapped car scenario. We've all been (laughs) trapped in a car with someone we can't stand. Well, unusually I'm going to be the one that thinks maybe we pivot over to listener debate here, because if we want to talk about trapped in car meet cutes, I think we need to involve some other some other movies in here. Neil, Mm -hmm. what did you pick for our listener debate? Impeccable transition. Yes. Not only do I have one that happens in a car, but I've successfully also picked again one of the hornier ones for my (laughs) listener pick. (laughs) This comes from Ryan S. Who says, not only is Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight one of the hottest movies of all time, but it starts with the best meet cute. Bank robber Jack Foley, played by a smoldering George Clooney, and U.S. Marshal Karen Sisko, 
a red hot Jennifer Lopez in a career best performance meet in the locked trunk of a car during a prison escape. It sets off a movie long game of sexy cat and mouse between the two. Out of sight is a seductive yet comedic crime caper throughout, but that meet cute is so good it gives JLo's character a sex dream right after. Let's listen to a little bit of this meet cute. You sure are easy to talk to. We met under different circumstances. We were at a bar, and I came up, we started talking. I wonder what would happen. Nothing. If you didn't know who I was. <laughs> You'd probably tell me. You say if we met under different circumstances. You have got to be kidding. Yeah. Another movie I liked with Faye Dunaway was Three Days of the Condor. And with Robert Redford when he was young. Yeah. You know, I never thought it made sense, though. You know, the way they got together so quick. I mean, romantically. There you have it. The beginning of a simmer that lasts through the entire runtime of Steven Soderbergh's movie. That's such a good push-pull. Great push-pull. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all, like, nestled in yeah. a trunk. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of literally pushing shots. each other in that trunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Really good. <laughs> but it's like they would be lying in bed having pillow talk if it weren't in the middle of a prison break in the back of a trunk. Sure. It's a, it's a fantastic scene. All right. For my pick, I'm going to go with listener Raymond who wrote in, okay, y'all, it helps if the meat is actually cute. So I nominate <laughs> Eve and the eponymous Wally. The setup is irresistible. Two robots, each with a job to do that brings them in contact and then drives them apart. Think it isn't a romance? These two are literally star-crossed. They brave dangers and traverse vast distances and somehow manage to save each other and redeem the hope of a human race that doesn't deserve either of them. The comedy is purely gestural and expressive, and as is their infinitely charming love. Who needs awkwardly forced dialogue when you get such sweethearted mileage out of swapping programming directives and learning how to say each other's names? It's the cutest. All human competitors fail. Wally and Eve forever. You bet we have an audio clip. <laughs> One week between audio clips and jumping the audio clip shark right there. Yeah. It's the uh, at the end. It gets me every time. <laughs> Dave was like, I've assembled some charming beeps and boops for this audio clip. Oh my God, it's going to be tough to beat that one. Okay, so I picked uh, one from Listener Faith who I felt like we should have, we, we started with It Happened One Night, iconic, entering the genre. But the the 1930s, there I I feel like there are two great renaissances of rom coms, and they were like the 80s and 90s with like what Nora Ephron was doing, et cetera, and then like the 30s, 40s screwball comedies. Those to me are like the two twin poles of of rom comdom. 
So this comes from Faith who says, a Muppet of a man pursues his golf ball from the first fairway to the 18th where a vivacious lady insists it belongs to her. What ensues is a chaotic escalation that sets the tone and breathless pace for the rest of the movie. Her scatterbrained confidence overwhelms his bumbling protests all to the wonderful climax when she mistakes his car for hers and drives it out of the parking lot as he rides along on the running board, arguing all the while. Of course, I'm referring to the first meeting of Cary Grant's David Huxley and Catherine Hepburn's Susan Vance from Howard Hawks' Bringing Up Baby. A classic screwball comedy, this meet-cute is full of wonderful moments, like Carrie's hopeful, off-broken promise of, I'll be with you in a minute, Mr. Peabody, to the bright banter between Carrie and Catherine, which leads to sparkling exchanges like, there, you see, it's a circle. Well, now, of course it is. Do you think it would roll if it were a square? In the wide world of memorable meet-cutes, this one stands as an essential predecessor for modern rom-coms where opposites attract in delightful style. Let's listen to it. Well, you don't understand. This is my car. You mean this is your car? Of course. Your golf ball, your car. Is there anything in the world that doesn't belong to you? Yes, thank heaven, you. Now, don't lose your temper. uh, That's it. Short and sweet. But I just thought that was perfect. Um... And the and the and the hallmark of the screwball comedy, of course, is that the the fast paced dialogue, which stood in you know in like a postcode Hollywood for like since they couldn't do sex, they did fast talking at each other instead. And uh, no one no one does it better than Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn, as far as I'm concerned. So mm-hmm. there you go, bring it up, baby. I do miss the fast, witty banter and like really heavy innuendo uh, of that time period in film, where it's just like. It's not even about, sure, it could be about like riding a sideboard on a moving car, but it's more about in what situation can we get these two people to just like hack at each other with words? And I think it's a great way to bring up baby. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Non-controversial opinion, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think also Faith's email brings up, you know, something we've been talking about and something I think that pretty much all of these share which is that the moment itself the moment of the meet cute is the inciting incident for the movie and it really does sort of have to set the tone for the central relationship or it feels like you know the rest of the movie could very very much fall apart like there are plenty of bad rom-coms out there where you know the meet cute doesn't go well and you just never quite by the relationship you know i'm, I'm sure there's some mcconaughey's where that is <laughs> sure the there's case. some mcconaughey's <laughs> wow you just lost the entire wedding planner vote yeah <laughs> I mean, listen i did bring j-lo to this debate in some form so i get points for that <laughs> yeah that's a good uh, so like the uh, out of uh out of sight also like not only literally being the inciting incident but as ryan pointed out in his email sort of like uh, sets off the emotional place for both of them. Like they're both trying to get back to that moment where both of those characters didn't have to care about robbing banks or catching bank robbers. Mm -hmm. And like, because of that, it's almost like their attraction is the release of the very stressful life of trying to pull off a huge diamond heist. It's hard to get more of a push push than an escaped bank robber. And a U.S. Marshal like that. Those are two deeply opposing forces on ideological levels and on practical levels. So, uh, yeah, big points for Out of Sight. That's a really good one. Yeah, I think. Well, no. So that's a push pull, right? Because he's trying to pull her and she's pushing, right? 
And then sort Wally, of, yeah. Wally's a pull pull, right? Because he, he was he was interested, right? In little junkie. I, I think it's I think it's a nervous, um, a nervous neutral, mm-hmm. nervous neutral because okay. he's searching for things, and then he you know basically tries to save his uh, little cockroach friend. And then ends up observing her before he can eventually move closer to her. Bring a baby is a push push. True to brand. For, for sure. Yeah. But also has the line, is anything in this world not yours? Yours. You think that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so good. That's that's the premise. I don't know how to pick. I don't know how to pick here. Cause the the I mean the beeps and boops were very cute. Uh, yeah, this is a really tough one. Dave, are you leaning towards eliminating anyone? I'm going to say, although Wally was my pick, I didn't know what Wally would be up against. And I think really they Wally and Eve have so many good moments. The Hello Dolly moment, the uh, star dance slash repair that aren't the meet the meeting. That is the particular blasting that I played. So I am going to say uh, Wally probably good, good meet cute. Af- absolutely. But I would remove it. Of the three, I think I back you up, but I think you also just lost the Mallory Rubin vote, so that's tough, <laughs> tough for you. And then the question remains: if it's just down to the two, the question remains: do we want to have like two unbearably sexy, and- <laughs> <laughs> or do we want to include a classic of the genre, something that proves that we've seen a movie before nineteen eighty something? This this is really tough because I do think I feel so strongly about Dirty Dancing that I feel like I've got the subcategory of horny movies sort of taken care of. You might split of. the vote if Out of Sight gets yeah, in Yeah, you don't want right. to bite into your own vote. It's true. And also, it is important that we celebrate some of the classics. I mean, even though all of our picks are not from this century. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, Out of Sight wouldn't necessarily solve that either. So I, I, would, I would be okay with, with going uh, with Bring Up Baby. I mean... How can you argue against Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn? Like, that's an all-time duo. And as much as I love smoldering George Clooney and Red Hot Jennifer Lopez, I would say we would knock out Out of Sight with love. With love, with, with love and respect. Yeah, and a sweaty brow, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and like some artful smudges, right? Because he's Yeah, like exactly. Super, oh, yeah, because he's all dirty because he just yeah, climbed out of the sewer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it smelled great in that trunk. Um... I, I just want to shout out really quickly, since this is rom-com week, uh, some of my favorites of the genre are not mentioned here because they, my favorite rom-com plot is actually what's called the comedy plot of remarriage, which is characters who already knew each other and then fell apart and then come back together. So you mm-hmm. never really get to see their meet cute because they already met cute before the movie even started. Philadelphia Story is a prime example of that with Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn who were divorced and sort of come back together much to do about nothing my favorite Shakespeare play is another example there's there's all kinds of examples of that but that that I think is my favorite movie rom-com plot because you don't have to sell me a romance that has blossomed and flowered and fallen apart and come back together in two hours we're like we're, we're coming in the middle of the mm. story and that's what I love about that device yeah I mean I've, I think I feel I mentioned high fidelity at the top I feel similarly about that movie because it's not it's not necessarily the, the core relationship of that movie that he's trying to get back to has already mm-hmm. started and ended, but we get these flashback sequences where we then get all of these different meetings with these different previous partners that I thought was, it's, that to me is structurally one of the more interesting 
um, romantic comedies that I've ever experienced. Just again, don't show it to your friends who have just had a breakup. Get your <laughs> truly stink out of my yeah. store. <laughs> well, then, I think that means we've come up on final statements. All right, we have David Huxley and Susan Vance from Bringing Up Baby joining our three picks. Your hosts are going to get one minute closing statements uninterrupted unrebutted to make a last-ditch effort to get you to vote for them. We're going to start with how we ended, going in reverse order, with Neil. She carried a watermelon. She made him want to be a better person. Vote for Patrick Swayze's gyrating pelvis, please. That is my entire statement. Wait, since, oh, wow. since you have extra time, can I just uh, tell you that, so my, my friend Diana, when we showed her that movie a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, please. This, this is a perfect is, moment for this. <laughs> this is how she described Patrick Swayze. She said he looked like a ship, sharp little pony. Because he's like, he's all trim and belted and it's this whole thing. Anyway. I just, and he prances I around that, that entire oh, movie. He is nonstop prancing. So I yep. think about that all the time. Yeah. vote. My, a vote for me is an, a vote in honor of the great Patrick Swayze and his hips. Uh, I guess a vote for me would be a vote for killing Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know how to pick it up of that. <laughs> what I will say is that uh, we've been in the latter half of this podcast episode talking a lot about uh, how meet cutes become romances and different romantic comedy plots or romance plots, how sexy something needs to be. I've got some PG-13 boobs, if that's your thing. I've got some uh, <laughs> burning fire of high m- classes mixing uh, near a body of water until it's deathly cold and the uh, ship sinks into it. And Jack can't touch the bottom and do the dirty dancing lift to save Rose, so he sacrifices himself. Mirroring, I may uh, emphasize again, the dialogue of the meat cute. The meat cute sets up the end. It's all exactly as it should be. Throw that necklace back to the bottom of the ocean. Vote Titanic. So my my meet cute, as has Dave kindly pointed out for me, is only one of many meet cutes in this movie, which has a, a number of interview to the camera meet cutes. But also, more importantly, when Harry met Sally, is about a, two people meeting again and again and again in their lives at different points in their lives at different times when their friendship works doesn't work. He wants her, she wants him, until they finally meet adorably. On New Year's Eve at the very end with a classic rom-com run, come on, to to the final meeting where they're finally at a place where they can be together. So from that meet cute where you're like, how are these two in this car ever, ever going to make it work to the end? I think it's just a perfect, perfect example of the genre. It's in the title, When Harry Met Sally, the end. Having it in the title. Glad we knocked Wally off. Otherwise, we would have had some contention there. But. <laughs> Our choices are When Harry Met Sally, Titanic, Dirty Dancing, and Bringing Up Baby. And the best part is you guys get to decide. So find our poll for cinema's greatest meet cute on theringer.com, on at ringer at Twitter, and in the Spotify app where you find trial by content. You choose the winner, and we'll announce it next week when we reconvene to do more trial by content about something. Neil, what are we, what are we debating next week? Oh, we've got a very exciting one next week. To honor the release of an unbearable weight of massive Nicolas Cage energy next week, 
We're going to debate the best performance by an actor playing themselves in a movie. There are many great options. Make sure to send your picks and a few sentences to support your pick to trialbycontent at gmail.com. And as always, you can submit suggestions for future Trial by Content topics. We have received many of them, and we're very excited uh, about the list that we have forming of fun, evergreen topics. So if there is a pop culture debate that you would like us to settle, send it on over. That address again, trialbycontent at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Now I'm trying to think about great romance running sequences, and it's, um, it's all up in my head. So make sure <laughs> to get out and vote. And let us know what the greatest meat cute is. We'll see you next week. This episode was produced by Carlos Cherubo. Desiree again? How did it go? And I'm missing you. Oh. Is there another word after that? No, I think it's oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. <laughs>